Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. We're wrapping up a trilogy and making dangerous wishes this week. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. And the big one this week is the latest, the third installment of the trilogy prequel for Planet of the Apes. It's War for the Planet of the Apes. I showed you mercy. But now you're here. Finish us off for good. This is our last stand. And if we lose, it will be a planet of apes. Back when they started this reboot trilogy in 2011, I remember seeing Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Wasn't really expecting a whole lot. It was really impressed. Yeah, I liked it very much. With the vision right from the beginning, how they started this whole thing. And I think they've only gotten better. In 2014, director Matt Reeves, director co-writer Matt Reeves from Cloverfield, Cloverfield. and then Let Me In, mm -hmm. which we liked very much, came on board for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes last time, which was impressive. Now he's back to complete it with War for the Planet of the Apes. And I think this is the best one of, of the trilogy. I think they really wrap it up in, in fine, fine style. It catches up with events a couple years after Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. So you've got a real war going on. And Caesar is leading, who's played again by Andy Serkis. And it's just to, Andy Serkis is incredible with these performances. When paired with the incredible effects, it just takes one more step toward the seeming inevitability that one of these performances is going to get nominated motion for capture. an Oscar. I motion mean, capture performance. it's just amazing. Or they're going to have to do a separate category or and it's, something. It's it's stunning that, because he's been in a couple of films just oh, he, in, in person. Yeah, in Life, but yeah. nobody has made a career out of out of motion capture performance the way Andy Serkis, he's the king of it. And he could, he he, he's amazing. He is. I mean, you go all the way back to Gollum. He was yeah. Gollum in The Lord of the Rings. He's amazing. He is. He is. And he's Caesar. And he's the leader of the ape army, and they have suffered. They continue to suffer some some heavy casualties, and they they make up for it with some cunning maneuvers, and they kind of stay in the in the fight. But they're they're pretty much on the run here from the colonel, played by Woody Harrelson, who's always a, great, always great, who's a real iron-fisted dictator, and he preaches. He he shaves his head in the morning and preaches dominance of a master race, and Really, all you need for him to do is say the horror, the horror. I mean, he's he's such Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Marlon Now. Marlon Brando, yeah, sure. Marlon Brando. But the the genius thing is, before you can say you're thinking Apocalypse Now, but Reeves finds a way to actually work it into the movie. So yeah, he says it before you can. So what it actually amounts to is a bit of a a clever distraction, a a callback to some some great war movies of the past, but also a bit of a clever distraction for more of the layered themes that really resonate on a much more current level that are going on in this movie. But yeah, Woody Harrelson is great, and he is uh, really hunting. He wants to wipe out the entire 
ape population because he he says if we lose this war then it's going to be a quote planet of the apes so those are the two main adversaries that are they're going at each other but as the movie goes on then caesar has to balance out kind of a war within himself as he has to think about the good of his population versus his just primal need for revenge over something something personal that the colonel has done to him so so you've got that going on and you know there's it's leading toward a final showdown between the two of them which does not disappoint by the way but uh there's so much more going on with with Reeves and his co-writers in making this yes it's a flat out war movie it is it really is and it's got some sweeping incredibly uh, effective sweeping battle scenes but it's also got some real intimacy and some thoughts about the, the levels of humanity and 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 what humans and living species will do to each other when fear is cultivated and and again that's when some of these current themes start coming start coming in turning against each other separating each other into different camps of different people and you know and and cultivating the fear of those differences you know very very vital themes that are going on right now and it, and it does a great job in in making those effective and it's it's a very serious very serious very deeply felt movie and it still has ways to bring in some some bittersweet humor most of that comes through a character called bad ape played by steve zahn who right. also does a great job with motion capture who he really does he uses his voice in a great way and even more sometimes even more than caesar uh they give bad apes some real great close-ups and you can just study the movements in his face and i'm telling you it is just amazing and and the happy accident here is really from the beginning of this reboot what i say six seven years ago even then the technology was great it was it was astonishing but it has only gotten better and it has gotten better in perfect sync with how these apes have supposedly progressed with their cognitive abilities right so it makes perfect sense yeah. they're more progressed along with the effects that are more progressed right. so it's again it's just amazing as they get these really intimate close-ups and you get some nice speeches and some nice bits of dialogue you know their their faces are candle lit in some dark cave or something and it's it's amazing it's just really i keep saying that word because it is it's amazing what they've been able to do and steve zahn's character is uh is a kind of a hermit ape that they find hiding who has been most spent most of his life in a zoo before the simian flu broke out. And he's able to speak pretty well, not as well as Caesar. Really, none of them do. But uh, he brings some, some bittersweet humor into what has happened in the past and maybe a clue to the future uh, of these apes. And, and that is very effective because it does. This, this movie does get so heavy that it does need a little bit of levity uh, from that character. And he uh, and he provides it. He's another underrated actor. He Steve is. Zahn, really, honestly, is always good. Comedies, dramas, anything you need. Steve Zahn is always good. Yeah, and he's also able to do. He shows signs of being a, an also a very effective voice actor as well, because they the two don't always re, uh, translate. No, great not, actor no. being a great voice actor, no, but agreed. he does great things with his voice here to make the character effective, and it leads to a conclusion that it's almost genius because. They get to a point where you can definitely see a bridge to the events of the 1968 original movie. Like, how did it get to that point? Okay, by the end of this movie, you can see a bridge where it could get there, but at the same time, leave some room for maybe 
progressing this reboot uh, to get even a little closer to there. And if they do that, if they do it this well, th then I'm on board. But if they were to leave it right here, and of course, if this makes a lot of money, they're not going to do that. <laughs> but if they were to leave it right here, I think it would be just perfect, a perfect way to wrap it up. Even so, this is a, a great way to end this trilogy. And I think it'll be looked back on as a really, really first-rate science fiction trilogy and, and a first-rate reboot and a prequel of this entire franchise. So I think a, a big recommendation this week for War for the Planet of the Apes, especially if you have enjoyed the previous two films. I think this is the best of the three. Nice. One we talked about last week, uh, The Big Sick, mm -hmm. that opened in limited release, is getting a wider, more nationwide release this week. And as we talked about uh, on la the last installment of the podcast, it's a great movie. So well done. One I think everybody loves it. I mean, well, it is just, I think it's just universally enjoyed. It really is. It's one of the best romantic comedies I've seen in years. So if it's coming to your area this week, check it out. You won't be disappointed. It's really, really smart and funny and well done. That's the big sick getting a wide release. But the other new installment this week is the story of a teenage girl finding a box that carries magic powers and a deadly price for using them. It's called Wish Upon. It's given me everything. Money, love. At what cost? You have to get rid of it. Everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. I admit, I kind of laughed there when describing it, because when I saw the trailer, I didn't expect good things, and there aren't good things. No. Well, I'll tell you what. Joey King, who plays the lead, the teenage girl who gets the box, uh, she was in Conjuring. You'll recognize her. She's oh, been yeah. in stuff since she was very, very little. She also was, she was one of the bright spots, one of the few bright spots in the sequel to Independence Day. Right. She, uh, she does a fine job. She's talented, and she, she does. She does a fine job. Uh, and that's, that is where the... No, I mean, the truth is, it's not, it's not outright terrible. It is just such, such a rehash. She's, she's one of those, uh, she's an unpopular high school girl, and, but it's a Hollywood version of it, so it, which is to say she's highly artistic, adorable, quirky, has the coolest clothes, but the Barbie doll set doesn't care for her for no reason you can think of. Not a zit to be found. Nope, not a one. And there is uh, an equally adorable skateboarder kid who has a giant crush on him, but of course she only has eyes for the popular boy who's what? dating the mean girl. What? Uh, and her dad is a total embarrassment, and he dumpster dives <laughs> with his best friend, and then they what? They swap meat, the stuff that they get, and uh, so it, you know, so he embarrasses her. He's Ryan Phillippe, by the way, in the the most unbelievable bit of scruffy beard taped on that you've ever seen. <laughs> Oh, and then, but he comes home one day from uh, from somebody's dump with this Chinese puzzle box. So right there, okay. So and 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 yeah. it's a wishing pot, and she accidentally makes a wish because she just is leaning on it, and she wishes something bad happens to the mean girl who's popular, who, who's who's the popular mean girl, and and that does happen, and it doesn't. She doesn't put it together right away, and of course she has no idea that there is a, a blood price. For every wish that she makes, there's a blood price because uh, it's an ancient Chinese demon. And so she can't read the writing and she has to go find, of course, a, <laughs> as always happens, there's a, a scholar who can tell her what this. It's just so. You know, I'm sorry, as you're talking about that, I Simpsons? just. The monkey paw. Uh -huh. 
And I just can't keep, I can't, I don't want to say, is the Frogert haunted? Uh, exactly. And I'm sorry if you haven't, if we're sounding like Simpsons nerds. We used to be, uh, and that's a great episode. But yeah, it makes you think of that. It makes you think, of course, it makes you think of Hellraiser. Twi- yeah, well, the, the Twilight box. Zone. So Twilight the monkey Zone. paw started the Twilight yeah, Zone. Yeah. yeah, Hellraiser, it has a lot of Final Destination in this. Sure. A lot of the craft, a lot of the craft. And how do they get away with this, George? Because it's a PG-13 movie, and nobody under 20 has ever seen any of those things. Bingo. Right. I mean, so it's just it's just a rehash. There's nothing new here. There's nothing fresh here. Everything you see coming from a mile away, everything. And it's PG-13, so it's not even like there's any real scares at all. It's just it's a Taylor Swift song with a body count. <laughs> I can't recommend it, but if you're... 13 years old and you're not ready for a real scare all right you know well it's i think not a good movie but you I, know. I think those there is shown to be an audience for that there definitely very has definitely been. Yes. that's what they that's why they keep making these movies oh, so yeah. it's probably not a coincidence that it's opening as an alternative to the much more adult themed war planet for the planet of the, yeah, of the apes exactly. so uh, we'll see it might definitely get uh might actually get an audience but not a recommendation from us no for wish upon a big title coming out on home video this week, streaming, VOD, and DVD, is The Fate of the Furious, the 64th installment. <laughs> it seems like it anyway. How does Dom feel about family? <laughs> He's gone rogue. What? Uh, this has, they have gotten to a point with these movies. You know, the one before this, I pretty much gave in, gave up, threw up my hands, and said, okay, this is a ridiculous superhero franchise now kind of gave into the enjoyment of it uh, in sort of a guilty pleasure way Mm -hmm. this time it's back and the director is f gary gray who did straight out of compton and has done some other quality work and this one i don't think as enjoyable on a guilty pleasure level as as the last one but it is completely ridiculous that's where this franchise has gone now and because they just keep counting money (laughs) <laughs> that, that's where it's going. Well, that is the thing. And I, I honestly, I think that I think that these movies surprise even the filmmakers every time they come out. Yes. And they, I mean, this movie made an insane amount of money, as did the seventh, as yeah. did the sixth. Uh, you know, and, people and, and I think people love keep, them. I know people keep thinking, well, at some point we're going to hit that plateau and we'll level off. And it just it just hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened and, yet. And uh, and and they like you said, though, they've really embraced just the lunacy, just the idiocy of it. And so at the heart of the story, of course, is always that very deep, angsty, you know, Vin, Vin Diesel, Diesel storyline, whatever yep. it is. But they uh, but they layer it with, with enough distractions. And in this one, the genius of this one is pairing The Rock and Jason Statham. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, and it's and it's it's just funny. They just out The Rock each other. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's just that's nothing, you know. And, and to, to be fair... Jason Statham fans, The Rock would just break him like a twig. But it's a fun it bit. Is. Both of them are fun. We saw how appealing Jason Statham can be in a in a comedic role with Spy. Mm-hmm. And this one is not straight-out comedic, but it's definitely wink, wink, oh, nudge, it's, nudge. It's, it's, it's borderline straight-out comedic. And the two of them going at you're right. That's the most enjoyable thing in the movie. And really, a lot of it has turned into 70s James Bond, it, you know, just total craziness. Right, with, with just better effects. Because, yeah. of course, at one point... Well, they're all driving across the frozen tundra, a fr- like frozen body of water, and somebody lets loose a missile, and the rock opens up his car door, <laughs> right, hangs out the side, grabs the missile, yeah. <laughs> and then tosses it. And you're like, yeah. all right, this is what's happening then. So, you know, 
if this is your thing, go for it. I can't say it was horrible. Uh, I certainly would rather watch these than the latest Transformers. Oh, my God, yes. But uh, it just keeps getting more and more ridiculous. You know, I'll tell you what. I, I like these that embrace the idiocy. You might uh, as well. M better than I like the first couple. Yeah. Although you'll always have, you'll always have those people who, this is the, in the last, both times, crying. Because there are some people, the, this franchise means a great deal yeah. to them, and Paul Walker still draws a tear. Well, that's true, and, yeah. Uh, and it was, it's, it, which is just stunning to me that somebody could watch a film like this and, and cry, but they did. And of so course, you I, might be that too. I did find it interesting in the last couple of weeks, you might have uh, read that uh, Michelle Rodriguez made a couple of headlines because she just came out and said she's going to stop doing these if they don't beef up the female roles. So good for her. Good for her. And I believe, I didn't read the entire thing, I believe Vin Diesel came and agreed. Yeah. So uh, hopefully maybe we'll see some, some beefing up in the scripts for, for the, some of those uh, side characters that just don't have Dom saying family yeah. over and over. No, it would be nice. And, and you know what? Michelle Rodriguez, as she has proven from the very beginning of her career, she can shoulder an action ass-kicking role. Oh, she's, yeah. She's an intimidating physical person. You bet she can. So Fate of the Furious out on home video this week. If you have a big, big screen at home. <laughs> That's right. The bigger, the better. And another one, a, a quiet movie that I really enjoyed that slipped through the cracks, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, it's called Norman. Parenthetical title, The Moderate Rise and Tragic Fall of a New York Fixer. And mainly, it is a fantastic vehicle for Richard Gere. He's, he, had, he's had quite a year. He really has. He's had a solid year. And this one, I, I hope it, it definitely, I think, should get some consideration come awards time. Um, we'll see what comes out the rest of the year. But you he, think for the whole film or for his, for his performance? For his performance. Right. Yeah, although the film is solid. I really enjoyed the film. And uh, he is Norman. He's a fixer, and he just seems to be a guy who is constantly walking the streets of New York in the same coat and hat with his phone earbuds in, constantly looking to hook people up, to scheme something, to meet someone, to tell somebody else that he knows somebody he doesn't, to get them uh, something and do them a favor so then he can collect a favor. It's the, the, the web that it weaves is, is amazing. And at one point, he finally tells somebody, what do you need? I'll help you get it. That's just what he does. And he doesn't always tell the truth about what he can deliver, but then he goes about trying to do it. And, and the main uh, part of the plot turns on when he does a favor for, well, he says he bets on the right horse because he does a favor for a man. And then years later, this man becomes the prime minister of Israel. Well, that's, that's a high friend. So then he's got a friend in a high place and suddenly... He really does. And people look at him. Oh, he really is connected. And then that brings some uh, unfortunate and unforeseen consequences. So it's a it can be a, a, a tangled political thriller and a very intimate character study. And again, Richard Gere is just fantastic, as is the supporting cast. Mm -hmm. But I really enjoyed Norman. And the other one out on VOD DVD this week is actually one that we didn't see. It's one of our other writers from MadWolf.com, Kat McAlpine reviewed a movie called A Quiet Passion, and she didn't really love it. No, it's a biopic about Emily Dickinson, and uh, I think she thinks it's not very realistic, a bit of a slog, and there's a large section in the middle that is more or less a PowerPoint about the Civil War. So she didn't feel like it, 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 it did much to keep your interest, but if you're a big Emily Dickinson fan, to be honest with you, this is the first biopic of really one of America's most treasured poets that I can think of. So, you know, it might be worth a look. That is kind of amazing. So you could read... Her review, and of course, all of our written reviews are available anytime on our main website, which is madwolf.com. One that we're looking forward to next week, the big release, 
Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. I think we see that here in two or three days. Yes. So got our fingers crossed. Excited about that one. We're Valerian, less excited, but le- we'll keep an open mind. Less excited. Also, Girls Trip. Less excited, <laughs> but we'll keep an open mind. That's right. And, and then I'm, we're not sure if it's opening in Columbus, but but it's definitely, uh, it, I think it is. Anyway, opening in limited release, Killing Ground, which I saw last week, actually, an Australian horror movie. Very, very well made. All right. So we can Good. talk about that, Okay, too. so. Could be a big week next week, but by far the biggest thumbs up this week goes for a war for the Planet of the Apes. I think the the third and the best of the rebooted trilogy in the prequel trilogy in the Planet of the Apes franchise. So uh, keep the conversation going. You want to comment on these or any of the movies that we talked about? Easiest way to do that is on Twitter. You can find us at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also hook up on Facebook. That is fun as well. You can find us at Mad Wolf. Columbus and the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. And until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>